The scripture reading from this morning is coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up another up, just as you were doing. Good morning. I'm going to invite your attention to 1 Kings chapter 2. We're going to be there today, 1 Kings chapter 2. And we'll start our reading in verse 1 in a moment. Just a few introductory remarks to make first. I think uh, since our brains are thinking about what was just prayed about, um, a couple of things to keep in mind. Number one, regarding Ukraine. Guy in Woods, a number of years ago, wrote a book. It's about like this, but if you have ever read any of Guy in Woods' writing, you know that uh, every phrase, it's not just a well-turned phrase, but it is deep, very meaningful. And in that little book that he wrote, um, The Troubled Middle East, he said, yes, there is a cure for the troubled Middle East. Is there a cure for Ukraine? Yes. It's Jesus. Is there a cure for the world's diseases? And I'm thinking spiritual disease. Yes, it's Jesus. It's always going to be the case. But will everybody follow Jesus? No. In fact, the vast majority of people are not going to follow Jesus. And so, Christian, accept that. Accept the fact that not everybody's going to follow Jesus. But also accept your important reality. And that is that we've got to share Jesus with as many people as we can. And so that while we're on this earth, people are influenced to follow Jesus. And that's really the only hope that America has, or Ukraine has, or Russia has, or the Middle East, wherever. It's Jesus. Now, regarding the abortion issue, what is in the news, and it's important to remind ourselves of this, I think, because we get feverishly worked up over social issues. And I get it. Social issues should be important to Christians. No question about that. We get hypersensitive, I think, about some of these things. And when we do, we are, we are focused on one issue. You think about it during the election season. Christians are focused on two issues. What are they? Abortion, that's one. And homosexual marriage, that's the other. Those have been the two primary social issues that Christians have been focused on for several years now when it comes to elections. But those are not the only two issues that Christians ought to be thinking about. So when we think about this idea of abortion, what I, what I want us to remember is this document that has leaked. And don't get used to this. This is the most political I've probably been in years in the pulpit, and it's not my thing. So... But with respect to this document that has been leaked, it is not saying that abortion is going to come to an end. It's simply saying that the Constitution is going to be followed and this issue is going to be sent back to the states. And the states are going to have to make decisions as to whether or not abortion is going to be legal in those states. Now, do we want abortion to be legal? Certainly not. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for you, but I'm, I'm thinking none of us want abortion to be legal in our states. Will abortion be legalized or will it be legal in some of our states? Probably, probably. But this is not a new issue. We go all the way back to, what is it, Proverbs 4 or Proverbs 6? There are six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him a proud look, and hands that shed innocent blood. Abortion has been going on for a long time. There's passive abortion, there's active abortion. And so while I would love this idea that we can just, we can put it into abortion, maybe what we should be focusing on more is, I don't want abortion to be illegal, I want it to be unthinkable. I want it to be unthinkable. Now, a lot of that's going to come to us because there there are some folks out there right now that are wicked and evil, and you've heard it probably on the news. I'm going to, you know, I don't even want to say the words. They're so horrible. And so there's some evil people that will have abortions, but there are other folks that are not evil to their core that feel as though they have no way out. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that there are folks out there that feel that they have no way out. And sometimes we get so focused on being sound in our doctrine that we forget about being sound in our relationships. And being sound in our relationships, Christian, is that we reach out to these folks that feel as though there's no way out and we help them with a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus may very well start with us. Now, having said that, I want, us to, I want us to change our discussion entirely. I want us to think about last words, last words. You know, there are some folks in this room that will probably not have a dying experience. And by that I mean death just comes like that. Uh, it, it could be a, a young, inexperienced driver, and, and they get out there on the highway, and, and, and maybe through no fault of their own life comes to immediate end. It could be someone who is older, same situation, though has a lot of experience, perhaps don't have the, the ability to have those quick reactions, and so they, they die, just like not really a dying experience as, as, as I think of it. Uh, There are some folks, because of the world in which we live, the wickedness that surrounds us, there are some folks whose lives come to an end just like that, and they don't have a dying experience. But on the other hand, many of us will have a dying experience where we can can see death coming, And, and, and we are, we are there every step of the way, and we are aware even as we're taking our last breath. And sometimes when we are going through that dying experience, we say last words. You may remember the last words that were said by a loved one to you. And, and maybe that's been a tremendous blessing, but maybe it's been a curse. I, I don't know, but you remember those last words. I was thinking about this and, and decided that I would look up last words of some folks and um, here, here were some that I, I came up with they may appear on the screen they may not 
Are they on the screen? Well, would you look at that? They're there. But I didn't, I didn't do my job. Jeff gave me an assignment. It was to turn on this back screen. So as that's coming up, tomorrow I shall no longer be here. Nostradamus. Pretty wise. <laughs> tomorrow I won't be here. Here's another one. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality that it should have. Leonardo da Vinci. That sounds like something old Leonardo would have said. Here's another one. Lord, help my poor soul. Edgar Allan Poe. Steve Jobs. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I wonder what he was thinking. I know what he said, but I wonder what he was thinking. Here's another one. I feel something that is not of this earth. I've done a lot of reading, and you say this sounds morbid, I, I, it's just interesting to me. Uh, I've done a lot of reading about folks, um, uh, loved ones surrounding folks who were dying, and things that they have said, ways that they have acted, and it's almost as if it is something that is not of this earth that they're going through in that moment. Here's another one. Draw thy sword and slay me. That men say not of me, a woman slew him. I know that bothered the feminists, perhaps even the audience, but that it's just something that was said. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus. Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. If you notice, most of these sayings not all of them especially not the last uh, couple but most of them have been reflective about the self right <coughs> their last words were about them but i want us to look at david's last words because david's last words were not primarily about him but they were primarily about his son now, before I dig into 1 Kings chapter 2, I told you that's where we would start, and it sort of is, but I want us to back up to 2 Samuel 23. So just leave your finger there in 1 Kings 2 and back up just a little bit to 2 Samuel 23. And in 2 Samuel 23, beginning with verse 1, these are what are commonly referred to as the last words of David. In, in fact, in the first line here, it says, Now these be the last words of David. But as you continue to read and you get into Second, uh, uh, First Kings, you know that they weren't his last words, but they were his last public words, okay? So listen to his last public words. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high and the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, Jehovah, spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. His last words were God's words. I find that interesting. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even 
a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things. And sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not grow. He's identifying the fact that there are some folks within his house that are not like him. David was called a man after God's own heart, but not everybody was like him. And he was identifying that. Now, I, I could just read all of 2 Samuel 23, but I don't want to do that. I want to jump down to verse number 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. If I was going to summarize David's final words, I might summarize them by saying that his final words showed that he stood with God. That's verse 12. Number two, he defended the name of God. That's also verse number 12. And number three, he was going to enjoy victory because of God, and he knew it, and he said it. Those were the final words, public words, of David. But what about his last words? His last words were made to his son Solomon. Solomon was a young man and he was going to take the kingship. Now he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in order to become the monarch of Israel. But he was selected by David to become the king of Israel. And it's, it's interesting that, that David did not seek to be the king, just like Solomon did not seek to be the king. David didn't seek it. David wasn't in the line to be king, but he became the king nonetheless because God anointed him to be king. You remember that Saul was the first monarch of Israel, and it wasn't Saul's lot ultimately to be king, but he became the king because God heard his people, and the people were crying out, the uh, Israelites were crying out, and they said, God, give us a king. Three times, actually, if you go and you read 1 Samuel, you'll observe that that was said, God, give us a king, God, give us a king, God, give us a king. And the first time God said, you don't need a king. God, give us a king. You don't need a king. God, give us a king. Here's your king. And they got Saul. And Saul was a strapping man. He was a powerful, strong man. And he was a leader. I didn't say he was a good leader, but he was a leader nonetheless. But he got the big head, as some leaders do. And as he had the big head, he would brag about his conquering but David would come along and the people would said of David Saul killed his thousands David killed his tens of thousands and so Saul's rule was coming to an end but just like the people cried out three times for a king God anointed David three times to become the king and he ultimately became the king of Israel and he was a good king it wasn't perfect oh he made mistakes he made kingdom kind of mistakes, but he also made social mistakes, and he made personal mistakes. But despite the mistakes that he made, the Bible tells us that he was still a man after his own heart. He was. 
And in chapter 2, the man after God's heart knows that he's in the very shadows now of life. He's getting ready to draw his last breath. I don't know exactly when it would come, but he had time to utter some important words. And he says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written, the law of Moses, that thou uh, mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, if thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Now, look at verse number 6. We'll come back to verse 5, but look at verse 6. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, Solomon, and let not his hoar head, his, his old gray head, go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness unto the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table, for so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom, thy brother. And then you look at verse number 12. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was greatly established. That after his death, there in verse number 10. These verses, verses 1 through 10, are the last words of David. And the last words of David were to his son. And there are four or five things that I want us to see from this text about the last words of David. And these are great last words. They could apply to, to any of us and all of us. And they could be final words and and. A variety of sessions. I think about, uh, we've got Darden here. She's getting ready to graduate from high school. That's awesome. I'm even more excited she's going to Freed Hardeman. I'm just so thrilled about that. Um, but we've, we've got, you know, graduations going on. We've just completed graduations all over the country. And I know that because I'm on Facebook and I've seen all of these pictures and it's fantastic. But, you know, I think about these words, they would apply in graduation situations. When I think about folks that are getting ready to launch, maybe they're done with college now, or, or maybe they're done with high school, and, 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 and they're just ready to launch. They, they want to go do their, their life, and that's, that's great too. Or maybe they've just, a young couple just recently gets married, and, and they're getting ready to, to start life as, as a couple. Or perhaps they've been married for a few years and, and now they're ready to have kids. And so some words, some, some last words right before you give birth. Here's some things to be thinking about. So no matter where we find ourselves in life, these are some, quote, last words, if you will, that I think would have great application to any and all of us today. And the first one is really simple. Life is tough. Life is hard. I mean, look at verse number two. He, he, I go the way of all the earth. That's father to a son. I, I'm getting ready to die. Go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And what he's saying, in essence, is 
Solomon, you're getting ready to be the king. And yes, you're a young man, but you're going to have to do the tough stuff. You're going to have to adult. Now, he was an adult, but, but you're going to have to start adulting in a very unique way. And life is hard. Life is challenging. And as you face life's challenges, will you listen to my 40 years of experience? Sometimes you have to, and I'm speaking of David, not mine. <laughs> Sometimes leaders like David... And sometimes young people, and sometimes middle-aged, and those of us who are older, sometimes we have to make the hard decisions, and in doing so, we have to stand by ourselves. We have to stand alone. David knew the loneliness of the position that his son was going to have to face. And so he was, he was telling him, you know, as, as you get ready to face those decisions, there are some things that you might want to keep in mind. And, and one of those things is, don't make a knee-jerk decision. You know what that means, a knee-jerk? It just means don't, don't make a decision without having all of the facts. And sometimes we snap real quick and, and we make a decision without considering the facts or without considering the people that are involved. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that the decision that we would have made, that knee-jerk decision, was the wrong decision. But before we just jump to that decision, let's just think about it a little bit. Let's be careful to, to slow our process down, to practice a little bit of awareness, and just think through it rationally getting all the facts before we make the decision. But don't be afraid to make the hard ones. If it's difficult, don't be afraid to make that decision. Because you see, what you're going to do is you're going to make that tough decision because it has the principles of God's Word upholding it. See, that's what David was hoping for Solomon. I know that because of what I read in verse number 3. He wanted, he wanted Solomon to make sure that the foundation of every tough decision that he made was God's Word. You see words like statutes, speaking of God's statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies. Those were God's. And Solomon, as you make the decisions, yes, even if they're tough, and after you've weighed the facts and seen the evidence, Make those decisions based on godly principles. Now, kind of as a sidebar, be mindful as you're making those decisions, as you're navigating life's difficulties. Be mindful of other people's opinions. It's, it's difficult, I know, to, to listen to other people's opinions, and it's difficult because we have our own opinions, and most of the time we think our opinions are the right ones, and sometimes they are, but not always. And sometimes other folks, their opinion is based on some experience that they've had in life that, quite frankly, allows them to give you some pretty good guidance regarding those opinions. And so take some time to listen to those opinions but that doesn't mean that you have to let those opinions dictate your decision. Because if those opinions are the wrong ones, you need to stick with the decisions that are based on the Word of God. Number two, 
In verse number three, I think we see the fact that there are going to be some successes and there are going to be some failures in life. I'm, I'm, I know that for those of us that have lived for a few years, we know this to be a reality. And for those that haven't, it will be. <laughs> you know, when we, we try to give guidance to, to young people and we try to, to tell them, and when I speak, say young people, I'm meaning specifically our kids, our blood, or our children that we've adopted. When we think about giving advice, sometimes we want them to to think that we've got it figured out, that we've, I mean, we've done really well in life and we haven't made any mistakes, we've got it all together, and that's just, it's wrong. It's kind of like parenting the way that we do Facebook. We just post all of the good stuff. We don't post anything that's bad, and sometimes we parent that way, and our, our kids think that we're perfect, and we've never made, my kids don't, but they think we're perfect, and we've never made a mistake. That's not healthy. We make mistakes. And sometimes we fall flat on our face as parents. But sometimes we get it right. And sometimes life is full of successes. But true success is doing things the way God would have us to. That's true success. True success. True success is always going to be inked into doing God's will. Now, as we think about David, David giving this very personal advice, I want us to just reread verse three. Keep the charge of the Lord thy God. You think David thought he would do that perfectly? Do you think that, uh, that David thought that Solomon was going to be unlike himself and just be a perfect follower of God in his rule and in his personal life? Surely not. Surely not. But he was, nonetheless, he was telling him to, as we like to say, keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's God. Because... David wanted him to know that if you will do that, and in your failures, you can be like me, 1 Samuel 13, and you can be after God's own heart. That is a helpful message, I think, for young people, for middle-aged, and for old folks, too. Live life. Do it the best you possibly can in keeping with the biblical principles. Because if you do that, when you mess up, you know what to do to be right with God. And that's fess up. And try to do better. Because that's being a person after God's own heart. Number three, work while you can. Work while you can. You know, there's coming a day, as the good book says, there's coming a day in which we won't be able to work, and so we need to work while we can. We need to take care of business while we can. If you look there at, uh, 
at verse number 3 again. Keep His statutes, keep His commandments, His judgments, and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper, and that thou doest in whatsoever thou turnest thyself. In other words, he's saying work. In whatsoever you do, whithersoever you turn yourself, work. Take care of business in the moment while you can. There are some things that we're going to be tempted to table. And sometimes they're really big things. Don't do it. I remember polishing the pulpit years ago, Wendell Winkler said, and I have tried to follow this advice, though it's, it's, I've tweaked it a little bit. He said, there's never a piece of paper that would touch his hands more than once. And I really like that. So you get a piece of mail that requires a response. You, 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 you deal with it right then. You write your letter of response right then. Now it's email or a text. And so it's this, as much as uh, I can, when I see that, I try to respond to it immediately if it requires a response. Because I don't want a table. I don't want to wait on it. I want to go ahead and, and get it off of my plate. And so in life, do that. Do your work while you can because there's coming a time in which you won't be able to work. Number next. Treat people with kindness. Treat people with kindness. Now, I want you to look at verse number five. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Ammon, the son of Jether, whom he slew, and shed the blood of war in peace. And put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins and his shoes that were on his feet. Now, Joab, of course, was the captain of David's host. But he did some things that were in conflict with David's wishes. One of which was he killed Absalom. And Absalom was David's son. And Absalom thought he had right to the throne, by the way, but that's a sermon for another time. But Absalom was on his horse, and he had this, Scripture tells us that he had this long hair, and his head gets caught in a branch, and, and Joab thrusts him through three times, and he dies. That was against the wishes of David, by the way, but Joab did it anyway, and he thought he was doing the king a favor. And there were other occasions like this. Joab would find himself in competition for job, uh, jobs, and so he would do away with his competition. Again, against the wishes of David. And David says that in verses 6 and following, he says, Solomon, remember him and do justice. So there is the just justice that is required but I want you to look at verse number 7. There's also a tenderness or a kindness that's required. Show kindness unto the sons of Barzillai, the Gildeite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table, the king's table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom, thy brother. Here's a father running from his son because his son wanted to have him dead. For his job. 
And by the way, when Absalom died, David loved Absalom. And he, he said, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. My son Absalom, would to God that is before his throne that I had died in your place. David was acknowledging even in that his own failures as a father, despite the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. But he said, here is a family that treated me well as I ran away from my son. Show them kindness. Solomon didn't know them, so far as I know. But he was told to treat them with kindness. And if there are some last words, some final words that we would do well to remember, these are among them. Be kind to others. And then finally, do the right thing. It's always wrong to do wrong. Always. But it's always right to do right. Sometimes it's tough, but it's still always right to do right. Again, our rightness comes not by our own merit, our own thoughts, even our own feelings, but our rightness is based on the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, and the testimonies of, in his case, the written law of Moses, the old law, in our case, the law of Christ. God needs to be loved, and He needs to be honored above all. I want you to look at chapter 3 in verse 6. Following the death of David, listen to what Solomon said. Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. O now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And that speech, which was to God, by the way, that speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Solomon becomes the wisest man to ever live. Solomon was interested in doing what's right. Because it's only in doing what's right that we can please God. Maybe you have not been doing the right thing. And these final words speak to your heart. And you realize that you want to follow in the footsteps of David. 
that you want at the center of your life the desire to do what's right, even if it's difficult, because life is difficult. And because of that recognition of, of failures, you want to even, maybe right now before I finish the sentence, you want to go to God in prayer because it's something just between you and God and you want to say, God, please forgive me of not making you the center of my life and your commandments the center of my life. You do that. You take a moment right now and you just do that. But maybe you're a Christian and, and the world around you knows that you've not been living like, they know that you profess it, they know that you go down to the church house on Sunday, but but you don't act like a Christian, you need to repent of that in a more public way. Folks need to see that there's a, a change. They need to see that you are, in fact, serious about your Christian walk and do the right thing. Maybe you're not a Christian. We'll, we'll sidetrack, sidestep just a little bit from what David was saying in his last words to Solomon, and we'll just add this. The most important thing that you can do right now, if you're not a Christian, is become one. That's the most important thing you can do. It is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's a choice that you have to make right now for, where you say, I, I don't want my focus to be on myself, maybe on others, but one, I want my focus to be on you. And so I'm repenting of the, the past. I'm putting the past behind me. My love for the past, I'm putting it behind me, and now I'm going to love my, my future with you, God. And so I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind about sin. And I'm going to confess that I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I believe Him to be the Son of God. And now, I'm ready to do the easy part. I'm ready to be immersed, baptized in water for the remission of my sins. So that when I come out of that watery grave, I'm ready. I know life's going to be tough, but I'm going to do the work. And I'm going to strive every day to do right because it is right so that I can honor God. If that's you, or if you just need the prayers of the church for anything that's going on in your life or on your heart, let us know so we can pray with and for you this morning. So together we stand and as we sing.